could get distracted of, oh, because I failed here, I'm not called in this area. No, that's not true. We fail and then we learn and we, and we continue to walk in the calling that God has placed on our life. I say, I've said it before and I'll say it again that I tell our team is that failing, failure is not an option, it's a requirement. I want our team to fail because there is when we grow. We grow in our failures. And, and we continue on with a, a, an, another thought of this is that not, not where feelings, they're not bad, they're good, we're meant to feel them. But feelings were never meant to have mastery over us. Never meant to have mastery over us. A lot of times we can think, a lot of times we can think that, that uh, we feel a certain way. We feel anxious. We feel sorrow. We feel this way or that way. But then if we allow that feeling to have mastery over us, then we won't be walking in the spirit. We won't be walking in the purpose that God has for our lives. And I can say that personally from, from, from an individual who, who struggled up until Jesus, like I struggled with a panic attack every day for like six months. And those feelings had mastery over me. And I found Jesus and was there still anxious battles along the way? Yes, 100%. But it's a different approach because when the anxiety comes, I take a different approach because I have the word of God to stand on and I get to, I get to spit it right back in the enemy's face and say, hey, the Lord has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. You know, I cast all my, all my fears, all my anxieties onto him because he cares for me. That's not my way to care anymore. So, so it's our job to remember that our feelings are not our masters. You're not bound by your feelings. It's just a feeling. You're not bound by it. And the problem that, that David had and that we often have at times is that it's not what we know, but it's what we forget. We know the situation. We know all these things that are, that are piling up that we kind of lose sight of what's ahead or, or really what we forget is that God is still in control. We forget that God is still in control. We forget that, that God is still sovereign and that he still reigns, that he's still king of kings and lord of lords. And we forget the joy and the peace that comes from a relationship with Jesus. And it, it's, I understand that it, it may be easy to forget that in the moment, but we have, to, we have to take it up. We have to take up the word of God and we have, to, we have to plant roots on the word of God. That has to be our foundation because when the trials and tribulations of life come, when the tension in the world gets stronger, that we have to remember, it's not, we, we must not forget what God has done and what he is calling us to do and what he says will come because there is great joy and there is great peace in a relationship with Jesus, and there is a new heaven, a new earth coming, and all the wickedness we see in this world will be gone, and all of the, and that is, that's a beautiful thing, but when we focus on the tensions of this world, we kind of lose sight of that, and then we lose hope, and then we lose peace, so we must not forget when we're focused on the problem, let's not focus on the problem, let's focus on Jesus. In verse five, we continue on. Then Joab came into the house to the king and said all this. He goes, on a, he goes on a spiel for a couple verses after this, and I'm not gonna read it again, but, but what Joab is doing is he's kind of, he's taking him and he's, he, he's like, hey, David, let's go. Like, you've got a job to do. You are the king. We, you know, we've overcome, we've overcome uh, Absalom and you've grieved for long enough. It's time to move. David, or Joab in this moment, he delivers a strong and straightforward wake-up call. Strong and straightforward. We need people in our lives who will be Joab to us. 
And if we're in the muck and we're, we're overcome by feelings and we've allowed feelings to be mastery over us, we need people to come aside and say, hey, this is not what God has for you. It's time to get up out of your, you're, 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 you're bound by these shackles right now of these feelings. It's time to break these shackles. God has not called you to a life of being bound by these feelings or, or by sin, but he has called you to a life of freedom. And it's time to start, it's time to receive that. It's time to start walking in that freedom and that victory that God already has for you. Jesus paid the price so that you don't have to. And we need people in our life to remind us of that. I know uh, there, there, was a, there was a time recently over the past few months or so that, that me and a couple, a couple other friends, we, we sat down with another friend of ours who was, who was living, living in ways that, that weren't necessarily what God had called for him. We, we could see it, and, and they were just different things, kind of red flags here, red flags there, and, and we just had to sit down, and basically it's, it was an accountability meeting. In a way, you can look at it as an intervention. And that may get a bad rap, but... Sometimes that's just what we need. And maybe, maybe you have to be able to receive that well, if that's you that's, that's coming, the accountability's coming, but maybe you're on the outside and you're needing to get people together and say, hey, we really need to have a conversation with this individual because we want the best for them. And if you're on the receiving end of it, don't take it as an attack on your character, on who you are. These people want the best for you. They absolutely want the best for you. Ultimately, there is foolishness and excessive grief, in excessive grief, and it's selfish. It is selfish because you, God could be calling you to something, and then, and then if, you're, if you're still sitting in that excessive mourning, if you're sitting in that excessive grief, then you're not gonna be able to be used by God the way he wants to use you. And you could be, and because of that, it could be limiting somebody else's growth in their faith at the time, they, he, God could want to use you and your story, the exact thing that you're in, the exact thing that you're grieving and mourning over. He could want to use that story of what he's done in your life for somebody else to bring out the enemy in their life, to bring life to them, to bring joy to them. It's your responsibility. It's your job. It's our jobs as believers to share the testimonies of our life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, because God is in the midst of it all, and he is good, and he is faithful at all times, and he will use all things for good. All things for good. And this is just kind of a reminder for me is that if you don't encourage your people, you will lose your people. We need, as people, we need encouragement. We need, we need affirmation. We need whatever other synonym there is to encouragement. I don't know, but uh, we need encouragement because if, if we're not being encouraged, then where's the life? Where's the life? If, it, if it's only correction that's coming, there's a good balance here. Yes, correction is important, but so is encouragement. If it's only correction coming, that's not life-giving. That's not life-giving at all. We need encouragement. We need to surround our people who will encourage us, and you need to be an encourager just as well. We continue on in the beginning of verse eight. So the king arose and sat in the gate. Sat in the gate. This is his job. David says, all right, I'm done now. I don't wanna do this, but I know that it's my responsibility. And I'm gonna go, and I'm gonna go move, and I'm gonna go sit in the gate so that the people can see me in the gate, so that the people aren't confused, so that they know that I'm with them, and I'm not against them. See, oftentimes, our understanding of doing what is right must override what we feel. 
we want a certain outcome in our life, but we feel one way about it, but we know what we have to do to get there and to achieve it and, and to receive that victory, we have to step into what is right, not what we feel. And it's as simple as that, and I don't say that to be like super, super cut and dry and, and unsympathetic in any regard, but there are things in our life that, that God has called us to that we have to do the right thing, even though we feel one completely different way about it. Because God has a plan and he has a purpose. And the moment you don't do what is right, then you are restricting what God wants to do in your life. You're restricting the freedom, you're restricting the victory, you're restricting the testimony of God's goodness and grace in your life or the life of others around you. We must not be mastery to our feelings. And we know that Joab, as his, as his correction came to David, we know that Joab's rebuke worked because he cared enough to say it and David was wise enough to receive it. As I mentioned earlier, uh, earlier in this message is that we have to be able to receive it and not feel like, hey, we're getting attacked here or we're getting attacked there or, or they're, they're, they're just trying to take us down and tear us down. No, that's not it at all. We have to be wise enough to say, you know what? There are multiple people in my life that have said the same thing over and over and over again and I just haven't received it up to this point because I don't wanna change because because it's just, it just doesn't feel right. I want something different than what they say. It could be a number of things. It doesn't matter. But the point being is that we have to be wise enough to receive it and receive it with grace and, and recognizing that it's not their intent to hurt you or to harm you. It's their intent to love you and to care for you and to provide for you because they cared enough to say it despite what their reaction may be don't attack them for sharing what's on their heart that they feel like maybe the Lord led them to. And there is a way to share. If you care enough to say it, speaking from somebody who doesn't often think about how I say things, there is a way to say things. I promise you that. That, that will come off that they can feel cared for, that they can feel loved and valued and not attacked in those moments. And recognize if if if. The defensiveness comes up. It's not the individual. I promise you, I, I believe full well, it's the enemy at work trying to create a divide. But we have to keep communicating with our circle, with our community, with our friends, with our family. It is a responsibility of ours as believers. In verse 10, we continue on. However, Absalom, whom we anointed over us, has died in battle. Now then, why are you silent about bringing the king back? We see right here in this moment that the kingdom was not yet restored. We're, we're, we're up to verse 10. We got five more verses come, but the kingdom has still not yet been restored. And why is that? That's because David, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to uh, overpower anybody and just step in. He wants everybody to be on board saying, yeah, we want to receive him. It's not, it's not him moving saying, hey, I'm the king. I'm the king now. And whether you like it or not, I'm gonna be here. No, he's, he's still waiting for, for the unanimous decision of all the people to say, yeah, we want you back. And we look to Joshua 24, 15. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors served by beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. The people of Israel 
had been serving Absalom. They'd left David, even though David was the anointed king, Absalom just overthrew his own father to, to be the king. And they left David, they went and joined Absalom's side. Now that Absalom's side has been destroyed, now they're returning to David as the king. And I, I think this is something that speaks directly to us today is that we often only decide to bring back King Jesus when our false kings fail. That false king could look uh, any number of ways, whether it's a relationship, whether it's an addiction, whether, whether it's a, a, a friendship, it could look a number of ways. It could be, it could be those, uh, what are they, crystals or whatever. I don't know where you're at in your, in your journey today. But I do know that all of those things are false kings. And those are the things that you put on the throne of your life, but they will continually to fail over and over and over and over again. But there's a reason we always come back to King Jesus because he has never failed and he will never fail. We continue on in the end of verse 11. Why are you the last to bring the king back to his house? Since the world of all Israel has come to the king, even to his house. David's return to sovereignty was decided by the voluntary submission of his kinsmen and by their loving obedience to his will. It's a voluntary submission. He didn't wanna force anybody's hand. He didn't wanna force his reign on anybody. He wanted a voluntary submission. And this is just like it is with our relationship with Jesus. It's just like that in our lives. That he doesn't force, he, here's the thing, God is the God of the universe. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He does reign over all, but he does not force your hand. He doesn't force you to love him. He doesn't force you to follow him. He doesn't force you to obey all these different rules. He wants a relationship with you, but it's your decision to say, yes, Jesus, I want this relationship with you. Yes, I'm gonna spend time with you. We're gonna have a little, little date night, whatever you wanna call it, but you're getting in the word and you're, you're, you're praying. You're spending time with him every single day. It's that, it's that important, but it takes the voluntary submission. Nobody's gonna force your hand here. I'm not gonna force you into a relationship with Jesus. I could tell you it's what you need, from personal experience, it's what you need, and I'm gonna encourage you to do it, but I'm not gonna force your hand. Jesus will not force him up himself upon you, but it's by voluntary submission. In verse 14, thus he turned the hearts of all the men of Judah as one man, so that they sent word to the king, saying, return, you and all your servants. Now all the men of Judah, all their hearts have been swayed. All of them have come back to say, yes, David, you are king. So they send word, David, return. Everybody's on board. And David would not force his reign, but the hearts must be swayed. And this is what it took. He wouldn't force his reign the same way that Jesus does not force his reign. And even though, and even though he knew that people would be against him, even though he knew people would ridicule him, even though people would come to hate him, he still died on the cross for you, for me, for all of us. Past, present, future sin. He has set us free. Even though he knew that they, we would be at times angry with him, that maybe, maybe you're in here today, you don't understand what it means to really have a relationship with Jesus. But, but you wanna know, this is your first step. Here we are. 
It takes me to Revelation chapter three, verse 20. It says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. He stands at the door and knocks. He's not like a SWAT team, battering ram, taking the door down, saying, let's go, come on, let's eat. No, he's gentle. He's knocking on the door of your heart, saying, will you let me in? It's a question for you. It's not a requirement for you. He's not saying, you have to let me in. He's saying, will you let me in? Will you love me the way that I have loved you? Will you love your neighbor the way that you've loved yourself? He's patient. He's gentle. And our hearts must be swayed by the work of the word of God and the Holy Spirit. Our hearts must be swayed. The only way to do that is in the word and through the Holy Spirit. The thing is, I, as a pastor, do not save you. I, as a human, will fail you. You may not agree with everything I say or everything I do, and that's okay. I don't need you to. I just want you to see Jesus in all that we do here. And I want you to recognize it's not me that saves you, but it is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that saves you. It is only by Jesus that has set you free that saves you. It's nothing that I do. I may ask the question, you want to give your life to Jesus today? That's about the only part I have in it. The rest is on you. There was a, a T-shirt that Kelsey showed me this list last week, and I was like, I want that T-shirt. Said it said, uh, "Fisher of men, I catches, I catch, he cleans." <laughs> I was like, I want that shirt. And that was a perfect analogy into what it is that we do here. We're all fishers of men. We're catching people. We're bringing them in, but we're not the one that cleans them. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that cleanses us in our souls and our hearts, and our minds. Isaiah chapter 53, verse four says, yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. It was our weaknesses, it was our grieving, it was our sorrow that he carried that weighed him down. What's, what's that mean? That means the sorrow, the weight, the grieving that you're carrying today is not yours to carry. It's not your weight to hold. It's not your burden any longer. Jesus wants to take that from you. He wants to lift it off of you so that you can be free, so that you can run the race set before you. Will you let him? cool thing about God is that he is faithful to both correct and strengthen us. He will, get, he will correct us, whether it's him speaking to you directly or speaking to a friend, a loved one, speaking to you, speaking through them, but he'll also strengthen us. And maybe a correction will come, you don't know what, what steps to take next. Allow him to strengthen you, to show you the way to go, to show you what steps to take. I wanna give this opportunity to us today. It takes me to Romans chapter 10. 
And Devin actually said it today. He had no idea this was on my notes, but uh, it's funny how the Lord works. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. We must believe in our heart and profess with our mouth. I wanna give, give us the opportunity today. Every head bowed and every eyes closed. If you're here in this house today and you, have, and you have yet to say yes to Jesus, if you're here in this house and, and you've been living under a false king, oh, under a false religion, Jesus wants you to say yes to him. He stands at the door and knocks. Will you let me in? And this is your chance today. You get to say yes to him. The cool thing about being a follower of Jesus is that it's not about religion, but it's about relationship. He wants you right where you are, exactly as you are. You don't have to be all cleaned up first. We catch, he cleans. So if that's you in this house this morning, I wanna give you the opportunity. If you have yet to, to give in your life to, your, to the Lord and said, yes, I declare you as Lord and Savior over my life, I wanna give you that opportunity right now to shoot your hand up, say yes to him this morning. Allow the Holy Spirit to move in your life, to save you, to save you from this world, to save you from yourself. Maybe you're here in this house and you said, I've been living for a false king. I got an addiction that I'm battling. I got a relationship that I've put above Jesus. Whatever that false king may be today, will you return to Jesus? If that's you today, I just ask you to raise your hand. And when you raise your hand, what you're saying is, I've, I've been living for a false king and I'm tired of putting all the weight and all the burden on that which will fail me, but I wanna be free in the name of Jesus 